They're taking cherubin pot strewn strategically along the daily. Charter boys are tying paternosters in preparation for the fray. Tinnies are being towed to target on the Arnhem Highway. Over in Gove, they're rigging up teasers for the big boys. There's an air of anxious optimism at harbourside boat ramps as launch time looms. And in the front bar of a top-end pub. Yeah, and you can understand why I'd be reluctant to accept the invitation. Why? Because last time you boarded that boat, you ended up with, what was it, 10 stitches, Mm -hmm. 18 lost jigs, Mm -hmm. severe sunburn, heat stroke. Yeah, but all that stuff's fine. It's her relentless insistence to play nothing but disco on the stereo at at every mark, every snag, all all day. Disco? Why disco? I'd admit it. It is uplifting and kind of conducive to pumping and winding in time with the music beard, but... A day spent disco fishing is a day where you return home just a, a little bit insane. More beard. I could pump and wind to this. Maybe not all day. Get your bums in the boat and get on with it. G'day fishos and welcome to the tinny for another week when it's kind of back to normal in that I'm back but Andy's gone now. (laughs) So a few weeks of the whole team of the tinny crew on deck including Beard of course who's kind of uh, the mainstay. I'm kind of trying to find an analogy on the boat Beard of as a result what you'd be. and The centre console? No. Yeah, mostly. I mean, if the centre console goes missing, or maybe I'd you don't, the, you have a problem. Your hydraulic steering, you could be. Maybe no. I'd, I'd just be, the, I'd just be the, the engine. You can row, okay. or use your lecky. <laughs> I was thinking the anchor, but who uses an anchor these days? We're all spot logging. Yeah. You know what you are on to the tinny? The tackle box, the esky. Oh, because the tackle box, even without it, you can still have a good time. Yeah, you're just reaching inside you're me, es- and you're just <laughs> ripping Look, out, looking for joy, my, my valuable looking content. <laughs> Uh, welcome back to the Tinny Fishers. How was your week, Beard? Yeah, she was all right. Headed out in the yak. It was, it was a bit windy again. Actually had a flick for some barra off the yak, which I haven't done for ages. It was a nice change from pelagic hunting, you've got to say. Uh, nice to actually sight cast some barra. Nothing legal, but um, just watching the mangroves emptying out. It was... It was pretty nice. Sight casting is the best of the best, isn't it? Oh, it's so, well, yeah. And when you're doing it from the stealth of a kayak in, in mm. like, you know, sub 50 centimetres water, uh, it's especially good. I mean, of the joy of yak fishing, yeah, is empowerment fairly high in the kind of list of satisfactions? It's, it's no more than just the satisfaction you get in any fishing where, like, you have a plan and then when the plan sort of goes to plan then you have You're a satisfaction empower- of, 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 of empowerment. Of, I guess it's empowering. Say you feel empowered. I'm empowered. I do I do note, Beard, too, that I go away for two weeks and you guys are already talking tarp on. You should know better than allow that to fester. Yes, yes. Preserve barra heads and, and praising the wind. Like, the the wind is awful. Well, you shush. just reference. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, shush. No, this wind is absolute crap. Shushy. It's a proper bastard. Shushy. I hate it. Everybody hates it. <sighs> it sucks. Stick around, fishos, because we're going to give you a wrap of how the harbour fished over the weekend. You're going to hear Andy rifle through some bins. There's some content for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's just really scraping the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, I'm, isn't it? I'm, I'm actually excited. We are actually going to hear Andy rifle through bins. Yes, briefly. And we'll also find out what he's been up to at school camp. What? Andy? School camp. Andy went on school camp. Yeah, he, he, yeah. Oh no! Was there a body of water nearby? He wouldn't have gone otherwise, would he? There was water in a body. You're just going to have to find out, bro. What teacher in their right mind invites Andy, as a parent whose job it is to look after the kids on school camp, to a camp where there's a body of water nearby? It's a good question. The it, most useless carer ever. It's probably it's probably the question. Oh, and. If you've ever caught a mother-in-law fish, this show might be for you. This is the worst 
forward promotion of the tinny I've ever heard. Was it was it mother-in-law fish that Andy found in the bin? No. Was it mother-in-law fish that he targeted in the water body at the school camp? You will see. Just just ignore Tim <laughs> Fishos. If you've ever caught a mother-in-law and you've wondered what to do with it, I think this show is for you. Scraping the bottom of the fish bin on Tales from the Tinny with Tim and Beard. I'm satisfied with my small barramundi fishing. Just waiting for that fish to bite, waiting for the rod to scream off. Yeah, it is the best I've ever had, yes. Well, well. Well, well, well. You, you don't need to say it three times, right? Two's plenty. All right, mate. Thanks, boys. You have a good day. Tales from the Tinny. Stinks. No, no, no. Oh, oh, I reckon that's about a 58. What do you think you're doing? I'm I'm looking through the fish bin at the boat ramp to see if there's any any carcasses there, see how it's going. We're we're a fishing show, mate. We need to know whether people are catching fish, and one of the best ways is to look in the fish bin. I can see you looking through the bin, bro. Yeah, it's the fish bin. What good can come of this? I just want to see whether anyone's come back in with... Will you focus, please? Focus. Oh, yeah. Let's all, right, all right, all right. Let's walk away all from the bin. Right. Okay, sorry, sorry. I'm walking away. Sorry, sorry. Lucky we've actually got something else to talk about this morning uh, down here by the mangroves at, at Dinah Beach Boat Ramp, uh, the place where many adventures actually kick off. We've got Bolshi here from the Top End Barrier Series. Just knocked off the Darwin Harbour round uh, over the weekend. First round in a few months, Bolshi. Yeah, mate. Yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty good. There was... Uh, had a two-month sort of break uh, to give a chance for everybody to, you know, get all their stuff in the in the line, get all their trailer service, all the reels and ready. And um, yeah, it was it was a good turnout. There was plenty of people, plenty of fish caught. Um, unfortunately for us, we did the same thing we did last year, thanks to Lats, and uh, we actually went down in numbers. But you know, it's it's a hub around. It's good fun. It's laughs. It's beers. Let's start with the conditions, Bolchi. Obviously, this, this wind's been on and off, annoying us, although we love you, wind, for the last month or two. What were the conditions out there like for this round? The, uh, funny, it was, it was quite similar conditions to last year. You sort of had the morning morning sort of to get there, to get your fish uh, before the wind picked up in the afternoon uh, and turned everything basically to poo. Um, the flats turned to poo. I mean, for those guys that fished it, they were fishing the flats. I mean, they, uh, Jack, he did really well. Um, you know, he got in there, got into the, the good flats first, got his fish. Um, but And Sunday was, was a similar scenario. It was, um, although the wind sort of backed off later in the afternoon, but by that stage, Lats and I had had, had enough. We'd had uh, too many tins and, and we're just waiting for the, the tide to come in. And, and, um, and too much blame just thrown around. Oh, well, that's it. You know, like we had to, we could even use the pie oven because, you know, had to save the batteries because we're on the electric motors. So we basically had two quiches and a ploughman's lunch, which is a Lats lunch. Um, for, for the whole weekend. So you're telling me you had to make a choice between the pie warmer and the electric motor. Like, what what sort of boat are you guys running? Oh, it's a dodgy boat. It really is. Oh, um, <clears throat> he, he doesn't do any maintenance. Like, so I sat on the you know the the the, the passenger's chair and that broke. Um, not not just broke, but all the four welds on the actual post uh, came apart. So uh, apart from not doing any maintenance, um, not being able to use the pie warmer, um, you know. Too many beers, uh, but, you know, good laughs. Just on that seat, who actually pays for that? Uh, well, uh, well, it should be Lats because he doesn't do any maintenance on his boat. It's simple. Yeah, you've got to maintain the welds in your seat, Lats. Yeah, well, that's it. Well, I didn't break the seat. Um, the welds from under the seat broke. It could have been for when I leaned back multiple times when I had, you know, trying to put beers in the into the bin. So that was the other thing too, you know. He needs to redesign his boat. So I can lean over and just put a can in the bin. Yeah. But you know, it's unacceptable me have to get up, reach over him, and then take his can as well and put it in the bin. So okay. yeah, you know, lot lot needs to be done to that thing. Couple of takeaways: uh, ergonomics, uh, paramount, and fishos. You've got the message loud and clear here. Check the welds in your seat before you disembark. That's it. That's right. Do you think there's a link between quiche and performance? Oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah, I think we need to mix it up. I think instead of having quiches, I think we need to look at something like a Ned Kelly pie or, you know, maybe even a, you know, a frothy for breakfast sort of thing, like, a, you know, like even a cocktail or something like that. You know, mix it up because 
what we did last year and what we did this year, and we got the same results. So, oh, actually, no, we didn't get the same results because last year I got zero scorers, and uh, this year I managed to get two on the board, and uh, I think Lats only got one on the board. So, yeah. Heaps of rats, right? Yeah, heaps of rats. And the good thing about it was that pretty much any soft plastic range was catching fish, and that was that was a good thing about it. Um, I also want to point out, too, the amount of bait that's coming out at the moment is, is really sort of, it, it looks really good. Like the, the patches, the prawns, um, you know, the, the barrel lollies that were coming out were, were fantastic. But, yeah, catching barra in the harbour on multiple range of lures, I think, is a really good sign of the health of the system. And the big fish, do you think they were there and just not playing the game or, or, or they, they weren't where you were fishing? Well, they weren't where we were fishing. Well, they actually were where we were fishing on the Sunday. Uh, we found that bigger fish were coming past when um, Lats had his um, game mode um, toy out. And we found the smaller barra, because on the Sunday we only landed two barra all day. Um, they were hugged right up against the bank. Like, literally, that they looked like they were a foot off the bank. And the big fish were sort of out a little bit wider. Just looks like they were just stooching past. Um, and it's probably what, you know, what was scaring the little the little rats but we couldn't turn in we couldn't get anyone to turn its nose at us and yeah but i know you know working the flats you know down middle arm um, lizzie went really well middle arm went really well a bit more sheltered with the wind the tides down there sort of are ideal for those sort of places for, and for some reason you found yourself not in those places no no um lats likes his uh west arm and and he's uh, the little secluded spots, but, which are good, and it's, you know, good fun. Uh, I guess if you're on a charter boat and you're taking customers out and, you know, we were getting double hookups. I think Lat's got 349s in a row in three casts, you know. So it was still good fun. Like, you, you, you can't knock catch and barrow like that. So lots of rats, Bolchie. What about the bigger fish? Were any of those landed in the, in the Tebs, in the harbour? Yeah, there was a few good ones landed. Uh, we had James Park, who got a nice 77. Uh, Nick Hall got a nice 72. Uh, but predominantly they're around the, the 60s, sort of mid-60s, high-60s. Um, Jack, you know, he got a 69 and a 63. Um, so, yeah, the, and um, sorry, Lockton also got a, a nice 75. So, yeah, there was a few decent ones caught, a few, you know, but uh, historically they're around the standard harbour sizes of your 60s and 70s, which was good. Uh, and of those rats, were they most in the, say, 40s and, and low 50s? Yeah, predominantly, um, like you would have to say to be up the high 90%. We're in the 40s to 50, 51 sort of thing. So, I mean, we ended up with 37 all up. Um, last year we got uh, 47, but out of 37, um, you know, we had four scorers and the biggest one was 57, which I got. So, Did you deploy the ladder? We did deploy the ladder. We didn't see that many fish on the ladder to start with. Uh, we went and snuck around and tried, you know, one or two different places that we hadn't been before. And uh, we're seeing the fish hugging the mangroves. Again, baby, you know, rats are really end tight to the mangroves. But having that ability to see them uh, was, yeah, it was awesome. This is, and for anyone you know, listening for the first time about this, this is actually strapping a, a, a ladder to the cast deck uh, so you've got the view to be out, out of sight cast. I've wondered with the ladder though, like, because a, uh, a lot of this casting, especially tied into the mangroves, you need to get a cast under branches and right up tight. So are you actually climbing the ladder, spotting where they are, and then climbing back down sometimes and then putting a cast in underneath? No, so you do the old side side cast, getting the getting your getting your arm right down and sort of just flicking under the mangroves. Um, the problem with that is <clears throat> when we see a barra, normally both of us are that excited because we haven't seen one for a while. That our first cast is just crap. Like they're in the trees, in the mangroves, and then by the time we actually get a cast to it, it's you know way off to to buggery sort of thing. So, but no, it's 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 underarm underarm casting. You know, getting a bit of um, acrobatic, I guess, with the the way you cast it. Beard, another charter boat just uh, went past and is off to launch. That's the third one since we've been doing this interview. Is that unsettling for you as it is for me on a work day, a weekday? Because of the huge amount of, of, of FOMO that is, is building up in both of our systems right now? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's FOMO. Every time I hear the diesel engine or I hear a ratchet you know, letting a boat off, I get more and more FOMO. Yeah. Are we nearly done here? So 40 to 50 anglers uh, for, you know, for this harbour round as part of TEBS. Um, it's a fair few fishers on the water and a good way to kind of get a general idea of how the harbour's fishing sort of on, on you know, relatively good tides. Um, I guess the takeaway from this was healthy system, lots of small barra, and should fish pretty well 
going through going into September, you'd think. Oh, most definitely. Yeah, I, I think um, you know anybody can go out there at the moment. I think and and you know sort of target barra sort of thing. Not not necessarily you know the legal ones, but um, to go out there and have a bit of fun. You know, take the kids out that sort of stuff. So the key points is look at you know try and try and find points where there's flats, um, snake drains, out of the wind sort of thing. Target it early. Um, you know, mid-tide sort of thing, um, down to close to the bottom of the tide. But, um, yeah, look, the harbour, the harbour's looking fantastic for, for barra fishing at the moment. And, it's and yeah, I, I'm looking forward to build up on that. And when's the next round? All right, so uh, round five takes place at the Adelaide Rivermouth, and that is uh, on the 23rd and 24th of September. Let's keep it simple. If you had one thing to request of lats to rectify before the 19th of September, what would that be? Fine fish. <laughs> there you go, lads. Your mission's clear. <laughs> Thanks again, Bolchi. No worries, boys. Cheers. That seed is an interesting dilemma. Mm. One might, as I'm sure lads did and will, argue that the owner of the bum that rested upon the seed is in fact liable. Mm. For if that bum and body it's attached to is of a certain proportion and volume then then it is the you know is the responsible party it's the liable bum yes correct yeah. okay well either way look, probably an underappreciated aspect of maintenance though i mean and it goes to show how dangerous fishing can be tim unexpectedly dangerous mm. like you know from all sides even when you're sitting stationary or having a lazy swivel to reach for another can danger is lurking everywhere mm. to regularly inspect and strength test the world's on your seats. Yep. Lats did come back, by the way, and say that the seat was, quote, not rated for rotund rogue. He didn't say those words. Rotund rogue? No, he didn't say rotund no, no, rogue. No, he didn't, he didn't say that. But what he said, I can't say on the radio. Okay. Um, so so I've put in rotund rogue. Uh, what else could I have used there? Stout scoundrel. Okay, I see now. Yes. So yep. find synonyms for, for those words, fishos, and I'm sure you'll arrive at what Lats what he... actually called Bolchi after Bolchi broke the seat. Uh, by the way, we did try to get on to, to Jack Oswald, the round winner, the seeming round winner at this, at this stage. All I got back uh, was this via text. What the superior man seeks is in himself. What the small man seeks is in others. Ooh. Mm. Is this the guy who wears the hat? Yeah, it's the guy. Who is this guy? I don't know. <laughs> who is this He's guy? He's a proper mystery man, isn't he? <laughs> I arrived at school camp about an hour out of Darwin, capitalising on a red-hot tip and holding a Google map of the billabong owned by the tipster to contain all manner of piscatorial prizes. I was there as a volunteer parent, there to lend a helping hand to the teachers, underpinned by my lifetime recognition and long-held belief that children are our future. But from the word go, I knew I was going to struggle with focusing on the mission, at least for as long as there were barra, tarpon and other tropical fish in the waterways surrounding primary school camp. Things were going great. The birds were singing, the sun was out, and I was going on the lake scope. I mean walk. All right. So I've arrived at school camp, and they're going to do, they're just off to do three activities. One lot's doing a flying fox, one lot's doing some bike ride or something, and the other are doing a lake walk. So I've just asked Miss if I can go on the lake walk. And she said, no, someone else is already doing it. But no one's actually told me which group to go on, so I'm just going on the lake walk because that's where the barra are and I want to scope it out for a fly fish later on today. One of the kids has already told me that they uh, heard a barra buff in there last night and that there's a four and a half metre croc in there that's missing a limb. So, let the games begin. I'm already disobeying the teacher, but it's all for a good cause. 
And I am volunteering here, so, you know, it's free time. The scenery was spectacular. We saw wallabies, turtles and all manner of bird life and even a large goanna sunning itself on a rock which of itself could easily have been more than a billion years old. But all I cared about was identifying the prime platforms from which to lob a cast or deliver a fly. Our corner one of the lake has been scoped. Looks pretty good. I've seen a couple of tarpon jumping. There's definitely fish in there. Saw a dead croc along the way too, so definitely some action here. I'm sort of undercover now. I'm on this walk as the backup teacher. But what I'm really doing is looking for tonight's fishing spot. With one eye on the kids and the other on the water, I strayed off the track and I neglected my one job to make sure that the children of our future were safe. At this point, I realised how infinitely small and almost immeasurable my span of attention is in situations presenting even the most minuscule of opportunities to cast a lure or a fly. Even when one of that flock was my very own daughter, my ability to focus was so radically diminished, if not extinguished. Fish down there, there's a couple of good snags. This is on that northeastern corner of the waterway. Oh yeah. That looks promising. Yeah, coming miss, coming. At this point I found myself halfway down a bank exploring a potential snag when a four metre croc exploded out of the water. From the croc I ran scratching my arm and Dropping a packet of lures from a pocket on the way up, I didn't care. As I sprinted up the bank and along the track through the dry leaves, my heart was pounding. I'm pretty sure at some point that I felt the start of a little wee. That scared the living shit out of me. I walked down a bank to explore a spot and I disturbed a croc. It just made this almighty splash and just swam off. There are definitely crocs in this waterway. Oh... That scared the living daylight out of me. Where were the kids? Where were the teachers when I needed them? Back on the safe haven of a high bank and after the kids had eaten their dinner that night, I retrieved a rod and reel from behind the kitchen where I'd strategically hidden it earlier in the day. Heart rate back to normal, I cast and I reeled in a little jungle perch followed by a nice-sized tarpon, and then another. I lost a barra that cartwheeled in front of a lone teacher who was standing behind a tree, just staring at me and wondering just how it was that such a unique adult could produce such a beautiful child. That night as I looked up to the stars through the mesh of my tent, I became momentarily gracious. I thanked every god and idol known to man for sparing me another day to cast. That was a big croc, and it was way too close to me for my comfort. I thought of all the adventures I've had over life, all the extreme remote missions, all the near misses and all the risks. There was something different about this one. Maybe it was the realisation that I attended this camp as a child in an adult's body. Maybe it was my complacency given all the past adventures, too convinced that the last place I'd run into a croc would be school camp. Or maybe it was the realisation that I really am addicted to fishing. Whatever it was, one thing I know for sure is that this was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. said lights out so lights out it is I'm tired my days at school camp regardless of age are now complete I love school camp so uh, (laughs) thoughts my initial thoughts are you just made an episode of the wonder years (laughs) 
me, Winnie, and Paul Pfeiffer were never the same after that summer. <laughs> so in this, in that case, Andy, Andy's Kevin, right? He's Kevin. He's not Paul. Oh, bro, he's no. pretty geeky. No, but no, he's not. Paul. No, he's, he's Paul. he is Paul. He's Paul Pfeiffer's getting obsessed, you know, with some little thing he wants to do, and Kevin's kind of ref- yeah. No, but, no, I'm maintaining he's. But Kevin. Paul doesn't do the narrative in the Wonder Years, does he? He's, Kevin does. He's Kevin, and Winnie is the is the Billabong. <laughs> That's absolutely the spot object. On. Yeah. Yes, he's the object <laughs> of Kevin's his enduring affection. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> or obsession. Uh, the the most pertinent words there were, "I just attended um, school camp as another child in a man's body." How true that is, and I'm I'm sure your wife would agree, and probably and no doubt your daughter. Actually, it's nice to know that Andy <laughs> thinks about that. You know. He has the the introspection to to know that that uh, that is what everybody else thinks about him, and so he and that's what makes him Kevin. He has the whimsical capacity to self reflect and and commentate his own behaviour and his own weaknesses. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, Kevin was a little bit the opposite. He's also he was an um uh, he was an adult in a child's body, in a way. Whereas Andy, he, he was, I suppose, is a child in an adult's body. Yeah. yeah. Where are the teachers? Uh, and where are the kids when I needed them? Mm. Um, I, th- I feel vindicated now that really, teachers, wh- what were you thinking inviting Andy? <laughs> now, now you know. Don't, don't do that again. <laughs> when that came in, I, t- I wonder too, Beard, whether when you first heard it, you classified it in the tinny barrel of audio that's not going to have a home anywhere else. So I think all that's left for me here is to make an episode of The Wonder Years. Basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Path of Least Resistance. <laughs> yeah. Well, Path of Least Resistance would have just been to not do anything with it. That's just right. Uh, Leave it in the bin. Yes, but the next best thing <laughs> is, the is an episode <laughs> of The Wonder Years. Somehow, though, things were different. Our past was here, but our future was somewhere else. And we both knew... Sooner or later, we had to go. Got a hoy from Waddy this week. Little video from the uh, East Alligator. It's official, he said. Build up the mullet run on the east. Oh, he's called it. Yeah, well, he's called and, and which is some people don't want you to actually say the words. Many, right? many people don't want you to don't say the words. He said that out loud. He, well, he said it out loud in a text, and then I read the text. <laughs> so, and now you're saying it out loud Does on that, the it it's, it's, it's not the same as saying it, it out loud. Seems, it seems like a potential breach of confidence. <laughs> Yeah. That's what we do. Yeah. Uh, if if it, if it is true, it's not my fault just because I said it out loud reading a text. Anyway. Um, did the uh, mullet run lead to fish? Look, I'm just guessing it did. The thing about the video was there was also a lot of crocs in that because there was there was heaps of mullet and there were lots of crocs hard up against Kale's Crossing like that. And they were doing and exhibiting an unusual behaviour that if you've ever been to Kale's Crossing, you've probably seen them do it. But the crocs have their arms basically perpendicular to their yeah. bodies. <laughs> Out of and the water. And their sort of fingers, like sort of little jazz fingers, yes. sticking up. If you would imagine a crocodile sky um, parachuting, yeah, sky jumping. falling from the sky. It looks like that in the water with the little toes up. They're just giving jazz hands. They're just giving jazz hands while they're falling from the sky. Mm. I actually ran into uh, Shane Compain this week and I told him about it and he said, yeah, it's, it's what they do when there's heaps of mullet. Their arm's out. They're basically herding the mullet Oh, get out. Yeah. The jazz hands that are herd mullet. They, they, the oh. mullet, if they're, if they're that thick, they'll hit the mullet with their, with their jazz hands and direct them basically in front of their face. That's a great fun fact. Yeah. Yeah. From Ben, uh, with a pick of a gold lure. Found this lure in Darwin Harbour recently, Legends. Wondering if someone from the church might be missing it and have a story about it. <laughs> Jeez. Yes. Well, that's an honourable thing to do, Ben. Yes. And Look, and there's every chance that someone is, is actually quite distraught. A lot of people will just go, you beauty, but instead uh, he's hitting the trigger on a, a full search and rescue uh, via us. Is it, does it warrant, therefore, as you say, it's bloody rare for someone to do that. Mm. 
does it warrant there for another uh, chapter uh, for the Lua Detective? It's worth a call. They can make some inquiries, perhaps. Very, very non-committal from the uh, Detective Bureau on level 11 of Tinny HQ. Noted. From Gaz in Albury, he just sent a picture in, uh, of his feet in in Crocs and socks. And you're to blame for that, man. You're the one who's got the fetish. <laughs> <laughs> so this is what you get. The coal battle continues. You get down an only south, fan site, an only, a tinny only fan site for f- top end Fisho's feet. I know. Well, look, You'd make heaps of money, man. Pretty soon, this show is just going to be people sending in um, crows that they killed and pictures of their feet in Crocs. Yeah, and but you've got to monetize it through OnlyFans. Yeah. Then we're set. Yeah. We can retire. It is, I mean, it is pretty niche, isn't it? It's a niche offering that no one else is doing. Have a look, mate. There we There's go. plenty of niches there. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, a shout out to Dwayne Devaney on Groot for nailing his first permit on fly, on charter on the, uh, the Great Barrier Reef. Yep, eight bananas, washed down with beers and caught a permit. What bad happened, you asked? Broke a fly line on the electric. All good, only lost a foot off the end. Next minute, the whole line's wrapped around the yammy and cut into little pieces. Oh, well, tire leader to what was left of the running line. Put on fly. Next minute, permit. Next day, I got the spicy cough. <laughs> but you got your permit, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, and congratulations, Dwayne. Like, that's, for a fly, if, if you don't know, for a fly fish show, that's a massive deal, getting, getting a permit. Um... Tim, you remember the fly tying uh, thing a few yeah, weeks ago with Dwayne and, and, and Waddy using hair uh, and and joining the dots. <sighs> yeah, why are we going back to it? Well, Dwayne, it turns out, was listening. Drilling these legs. These legs here are a bit shorter. Keep it a bit of a brush. A little run of UV flex through there just to give it a shell-like Carapace. Okay. The mutant prawn. The gin the ginger ninja mutant fly is born. Oh dear. Yeah. He didn't use it, did he? Didn't use what? You know what? Come on, man. The- did he or didn't he? <laughs> and then we can move on. Look, it seems he didn't. He said, luckily, <laughs> luckily, I had an oversupply of facial fluff, and that he does, uh, and the barrel hairdo at the back needed a trim into shape. Uh, and so, uh, no, but, but it looks like a, an, an excellent prawn fly. I did ask him, uh, what's the situation in which you can see this working? He says this, fly fishing is such an expression of the angler and fly tire. It's where art meets the human nature of survival, the wow. hunt for food. Wow. Using a hair, <clears throat> hairy lure. It's why Andy's not much of a fly fisher, because by the sounds of things, he hunts his food in fish bins. Yeah. Couldn't let that one go, Andy. Maybe we should start calling him Kevin. Shoot it. Share it. Shout it. Give us a boy. Hi, Yuki here again. Just the other day I caught the mother-in-law. So I'm going to talking about the mother-in-law. Just as usual, off from the Dundee boat lamp and just go to far out the offshore the Dundee. That day is a very hard day. And then finally I got the decent bait and then drags out. So that's what I saw, like, like, like emperor or like brew bones. And but as a result, come out a big decent Mother-in-law was there. It's very windy and tired and tough than ever. But just, I deserve the big mother-in-law fish. <laughs> At least it was a big one. Yeah, that's true. Just was good fighting. I was fine, but I wonder just often I catch the mother-in-law. But actually, I've never tried because everyone called that's mother-in-law. No, was to keep it. So that's why I never taught. I've never tried, but this time just quite decent size, 65 centimeter. So that's a, wow, I should try. And I've never talked, so bring back home and then prepare well. And then, to be honest, just I have one question. Why that specific, that fish call as mother-in-law fish? Because not bad to eat. Actually, not worse to eat sashimi because they didn't have much flavor. But... If they prepare, and then just I did the Japanese style deep fry, 
and marinate with soy sauce, garlic, ginger, salt, and then just deep fry caught by the potato starch. And to be honest, quite good to eat. And then just I share with my staff and then they also, eh, no, too bad. And just especially squeeze a fresh lemon on top of it with dipping to the Japanese mayo. Brilliant to eat. So just I wonder why that one called as the mother-in-law because other fish I know that, you know, worse than they eat that fish. So that's my question today. You suspect that maybe there are other fish more deserving of the title of the mother-in-law fish than the actual mother-in-law fish. Yeah. Many people never try them, but, oh, just that one mother-in-law, then no worse to keep it. Yeah, some part true. If I catch the red emperor or blue bone, yeah, I won't keep it. But if nothing, yeah, just why not? Just keep it then. But good or bad, they don't have any specific flavor. So that's why if cooking in a, like a thick sauce or like a fish and chips with dipping in tartar sauce or something is a nothing problem to eat. What had you been told about the mother-in-law fish before you caught it? Just not worse to eat it, and even worse to eat it. So that's why I just, you know, give it to the mother-in-law because everyone doesn't like mother-in-law. <laughs> well, is, that, <laughs> is that a thing in Japan as well? Uh, definitely, yes. But for boys, I'm never problem with the mother-in-law, but just like normally girls is a problem with the mother-in-law <laughs> you got to be careful here because you do have a mother-in-law yeah but so that's why i'm i'm a fine and my partner luckily my mom and her has a nothing problem with that but some people commonly say yeah mother-in-law is a uh, pain to ask <laughs> okay so in summary in your opinion as a chef not amazing is sashimi the mother-in-law fish because it doesn't have much f- flavor however if you want to deep fry it uh, or have it maybe in a curry or something, maybe not so bad. Maybe worth trying. Definitely, yes. Just have to try once. And then I tried once, but I want to try it several times more different ways. Good things is uh, not going to dry out and still tender and moisty. But, yeah, just I want to try to cook in maybe curry and, uh, or just... Maybe I'm going to do more like a sensible, sort of like a tempera deep fry. This time it's just quite thick marinade. So just next, next time just naturally just batter and fry. Now I sort them that I want to try. Then I'll lighting myself to mother-in-law fish. And, and Yuki, it's been pretty windy. Squid have disappeared. The billfish aren't really doing their thing right now. Uh, what hope is on the horizon for your fishing? Uh, just, yeah, soon definitely coming to build up. So... Just going to busy for bala, but I'm not. Unfortunately, I'm not really official So, just I try to get out from the Darwin to the trench out of the Bassas Island to the catch black marlin. That's my plan. All right. Well, uh, look. Thanks for sharing uh, some of your ideas around mother-in-law fish, and hopefully, maybe, maybe it might inspire some people to give it a go next time you catch it. Yeah, definitely. Just then, I want to discuss with about someone's opinion. There you go, fishers. There's the call out. Mother-in-law fish. How do you do it? Good on you, Yuki. Thanks again. Thank you so much. Tales from the tinny. Get a yeah, I do like this idea that maybe the myth of the mother-in-law fish could be busted. That that it actually isn't so bad after all. Yeah, but if if you break it down, beard. The fish is named after a mother-in-law because we don't like eating the fish, right? Yeah. It's no good on the chew. Mm. Which thus implies, does it not, that we don't like our own mothers-in-laws because they too are no good on the chew. They're no good to, to nibble on. Is that what this is? What and I think I find that a very disturbing correlation that, that Yuki and, and um, by extension you have drawn here. <laughs> Yuki put it well. They kind of taste like nothing. Mm. which is like a mother-in-law. They're mostly kind of just meh. Actually, you know what we could do? We could just get a bunch of mother-in-laws, the very namesake of this deeply resented fish, and they all cook mother-in-law, and we decide a winner. So we'd call it the mother-in-law, mother-in-law challenge. Yes, the mother-in-law, mother-in-law challenge. I like it. (sighs) 
could this be offensive to mother-in-laws? Like this, just just this this general association with a despised creature. Well, we didn't name the fish. Yeah, we didn't. Yep, we, we didn't. didn't name the plant the mother-in-law's tongue because right. it's such a pest plant, such a vindictive and hateful and annoying plant that you can't get rid of no matter how much you try. Well, I didn't name it mother-in-law's tongue. No, I didn't name it mother-in-law's fish. No. What do they win? What do they win a, what a crappy for the a crappy trophy? Comp. Yeah. What is the what is the winning? Yes. What a, is the what is the mother-in-law mother-in-law trophy? A disappointing mother-in-law mother-in-law trophy. A trophy that you wish was just a bit better. Yeah. It just looks like nothing. <laughs> just a bit meh. Can we talk with Yuki's mother-in-law about what she makes of all of this? Can we please stop saying mother-in-law? Yes. Yes, we can. Red, fast and free! Presenting the Tales from the Tinny Fish Measuring Sticker! Some say it's the scientific standard for measuring length. Some say that it gives you a guaranteed 20% more luck in catching fish. Some say that these stats might be slightly exaggerated. Much like your fishing yards without a Tales from the Tinny Fish Measuring Sticker! Email fishing at abc.net.au or message the Tinny on Facebook to get yours. G'day, long-time listener, first-time messenger. <laughs> I always love those those ones. Uh, just moved down from the glorious God's country. Many call the territory to bloody Victoria. Tell you what, it's a bit different down here. Yep. Mm, these southerners will sit out for a full tide and be happy with a couple of nibbles. Never fear. As soon as I arrived, I got myself another boat in order to attend the church. Just wondering how I can get hold of a scientifically accurate fish measuring sticker. Cheers, Nick. Well, Nick, you've come to the right place, uh, and you've obviously come here because you know that this is the place to come for a tinny sticker. <laughs> that was a waste of a sentence. <laughs> I'm all about wasting sentences. <laughs> hey, just on the stickers, though, um, you know, we talked a few weeks ago, we were talking to Matt, the Saley researcher yep. guy, yep. and we sort of had a conversation about, like, uh, about whether one of the stickers would stand up to the to the high speeds of um, of billfish of, of mm. marlin and, and sailies up here, I was thinking about it. It's actually just a brilliant idea. Why catch the fish and then put it on the brag mat on the measuring sticker when you can just put the sticker on the fish directly? It's so good, man. You know, and it's a much more accurate measurement. You get all the curves and so you know. when they do the tiffspus round, yeah, we just give them. 50 stickers yeah and just put them on the fish tag tag tag, tag the, the fish, fish with the sticker and then put a sticker on the fish and then it's actually easier for the next person if they if, they, if there's a recapture they can see how long it is straight, straight away. away like yeah. it, when it's still in the water without it's doing it, without water. even having to bring it out for the photo yeah the problem with is this is is if you catch say a 58 barra um you know a, a 120 yyy sticker on that it's not <laughs> It's not that hydrodynamic. Um, I can see that it running into problems. But so, but if you if you only if you just limit yourself to catching fish one twenty or above, I can't see an issue with this method. And please send us a photo if you're the first to do it. G'day, I'm Covey, fourteen from Darwin. I've been fishing around Rapid Creek a bit, getting some barrel. And uh, Josh Covey's dad uh, and I and being kept poor by all his fishing triumphs and buying new lures, rods and the whole rest of it. To be fair, Josh, I mean, you did you did raise Covey to be like this. Oh, 100%, yes, yeah. Well, someone's got to put the boat on the trailer at the boat ramp, don't they? Covey, let's go, let's go back to your fishing around Rabbit Creek. How do you approach it? Um, what are some of the fish you've been pulling out? Oh, I've just got some little creek spots I have, just flicking around little plastics, pulling out a couple barrel, been getting a couple of them. Doesn't really matter as long as it's just big tides, they go good. I usually get a couple bar each time I go out. Go up the jetty a bit, go for sharks, trevally, all that kind of stuff. Is he being modest, Josh? Oh, I think he is a little bit, mate. You know, after school, I'm going fishing, Dad. He's off, you know, either with a mate or by himself. And next time I get these phone calls or pictures, you know, can I bring this home? Can I? No, I've got enough fish in the freezer, mate. You know, like income, chuck the barra back, you know. But hey, Bring me home another mangrove jack because they are spot on on the barbie, bro. You know, <laughs> the best. And then when, when I drag him over Shelf Bay, like, crabs everywhere. So, you know, it's a it's a cracker. It's, it's good for him, you know, at fishing instead of bloody doing something wrong. Was this always the, the future you intended for your son? 
Uh, I definitely think so, yeah, yeah, you know. Bloody knee-eyed old grasshopper when he was in the boat. So, you know, get in there, help me out, throw the pots, do the lot. Now he, now he just drives the boat. And, uh, you know, we'll be overfishing and melt me a couple of rods out for using liveys or something. None of them are dads. You know, oh, it's on, it's on, it's mine. Well, where's mine? Like, fair f***ing dinkum. Oh, fair dinkum, mate, you know. <laughs> Can I assume that in this situation there's either no pocket money, there's just lures and, and tackle, uh, or this is what the pocket money is spent on, Kobe? Yeah, it's pretty much, I need this, I need that, I ran out of this, snag that. Yeah, no pocket money because fair dink of that. I'm always down the tackle shop, you know, so, ah, oh, which is good though, keeps them out of trouble. Shoal Bay is the breeding ground of not just Barra, but, but actual Barra, Darwin Barra fishos. You must have pulled some good Barra out of there, Covey. Tell us about your PB. Uh, I got an 87 out of out Shoal Bay on a little livey. You got a big Barra too. Dad's gesturing. What's what's this about? <laughs> oh, yeah, I thought your PB was 90, and I was just that's saying... Not, that's Shady Camp. Shady Camp, Shoal Bay. But Shoal Bay, I thought it was 90, but I was just saying that, hey, 92 out of Shoal Bay for Dad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, just saying. First lesson, son, always make the size bigger. Second lesson, focus on my fish. <laughs> exactly, mate, exactly. <laughs> not to forget Dad's meteries. But we'll get back to you now, Coves. <laughs> So, you know, he's pretty well onto it. And, um, like, I just sit back and drive the boat for him when he doesn't want to drive it. And then uh, I don't get to catch nothing, but he has to get my beer out of the esky. Small price to pay, Kobe. Yeah, it's worth it, though. Just going to go back to those sharks for a minute. Tell us about how you, you approach the sharks. Oh, I usually just go there in the afternoons, chucking out my little shark rod. Like, whatever fish I catch, I chuck it on. It, at, at night, it's usually not too great for me because the sea lice get to the bait. It's pretty annoying, but I'm pulling out a couple of little nurse sharks and stuff like that. What's the ultimate goal there? Oh, tiger shark or a hammerhead. Hopefully something big. Yeah, I mean, you're not a massive bloke yet. I'm wondering how you go with a big tiger. Oh, that's what drag's for. <laughs> I got enough line on the little TR200, so hopefully. Yeah. I got the line and I got the time. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Spending all that time in Shoal, gentlemen, there must have been some time spent on a sandbar. Well, we did do an overnight at the Rock once. And uh, well, and this is not my fault, right? Yes, it is. So we're fishing all night. We got a few good fish, all the good stuff. Who gets hungry in the morning, you know? Okay, oh, can you cook me up some bacon and eggs? You know, I had the barbie on the boat, you know. I said, yeah, yeah, no worries, mate. So I'm cooking up and he's whinging wanting more. Look at the watch. Should we better get going, better get going. Just got into the mouth and that's as far as we went. Oh, back to buff. Oh, back to buff, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep, so, yeah, looking at the boat ramp, you know, about two k's up the way there. and So I had to have a little bit of sleep in the boat then. And um, I woke up and he's got a bucket full of jelly prawns. Prawns for mum, she enjoyed them. Gentlemen, we're going into a, a, a warmer time of the year, the time of year when it's pretty much only uh, you know fishos that, that look forward to the humidity. What missions do you have planned given the incoming weather? Uh, yeah, go on shore bay heaps. I hope if Dad doesn't break the boat or get stuck in a sandbar. Like Dad doesn't get stuck on sandbars, mate. And the boat's fine. But yeah, no... <laughs> Shoal Bay will be hitting that heat when the you know starts to heat up, and then you know out in the harbour too. You know West Arm, Woods Inlet, a few little spots around there where the boy gets them. So you know, it's a poke around and um, you know just uh, keep that freezer chockers. Josh Covey, it's been lovely talking to you on the tinny. Thanks for playing. Thank you for having us. Get on you, mate. Anytime. Well, that's it from us for another week, Fishos. Thanks to Bolchi. To Yuki, who I actually thought Beard was a good example for the church, mm. in that he just wanted to make a contention. So I contend that mother-in-law fish are underrated, and we'll come and talk to you. Yeah, I contend that a man should never eat soft serve alone. We're interested. Yeah, what is your contention? Tell us your contention. I believe you should wipe while standing up. We'll come, We'll be there. We'll give you the platform. Wow. Well, who says that? It's a it's contention. A, it's a contention. Mm, yeah. Who says mother-in-law are good eating? Yeah. You know, who says men shouldn't eat soft serve? These people do. Who says you shouldn't wipe while you're standing up? Who says you shouldn't? Who says? If you want to say you should, 
We're there. We want to talk to you. Yeah. If you make a contention and the tinny will air it. Thanks also to, to Kobe and Josh, the ultimate father-son fishing combo, weren't combo. they? Weren't yeah. they? Final thanks probably go to Andy Wharton too for being brave enough to admit the truth that he is indeed a child in an adult's body. I realised how infinitely small and almost immeasurable my span of attention is in situations presenting even the most minuscule of opportunities to cast a lure or a fly. I also realised that in fact probably more like Kevin than Paul Pfeiffer and that in many ways the water body was my winning nothing was ever the same after that glorious summer (laughs) at school camp (laughs) have a good week fishos and get an earnest reflective mullet up you one capable of admitting its own shortcomings and perhaps of recognising too its own virtues however subtle However, evanescent. I know a guy called Evan. Okay. Just get a mullet up here called Evan. Or Kevin. More to the point. Mm. Catch you next week on the Tinny Fish Shows. Tales from the Tinny.